0: WGR Sports Radio 550 presents. We
1: got at Nate Geary Sports, and uh, Nate says, "Merry Christmas to everyone except for Tom Brady, who is probably watching his own documentary with his family this morning." Sports Talk Saturday. We were watching the highlights of last year's Super Bowl, which we won, but we weren't watching <laughs> a documentary. <laughs> Does Nate actually play sports? Emotional damage on WGR. You good. Not little Jets! He died of emotional damage. Sports Radio 550. Oh, it's still my favorite open that I've made. Making fun of Nate. This is Sports Talk Saturday. No Nate Geary, but it is me, Derek Kramer, and Zach Jones. We're hanging out with you for one more hour here on WGR. We've got plenty of Bill's talk to go here as Greg Thompson of Cover One joins us at 1.30. We're going to have to make quick work of this because I want Greg to get that Full court press for that last segment. So, we're going to do this hour a little unorthodox. I'm more or less saying this for Zach, not for the audience. But you guys get your warning, too. Uh, this is going to be the stupid segment that's going to last like a little bit. Zach's got his arms up like, what the hell, man? You didn't tell me this. But <laughs> I saw the dumbest thing on Twitter just now. Are you ready, Zach? Well, not after that warning, but yeah, why not? Let's go. All right, ready. This is uh, This is not The Onion. This is not parody, and I am not making this up. From the New York Times, the headline on the tweet says, Cannibalism has a time and place. Some recent books <laughs> in Zach's face already. We are off the rails. Some recent books, films, and shows suggest that that time is now. Can you stomach it? No. <laughs> time is not now. Don't do
2: that. <laughs> who, who approved that? Who, who approved that headline?
1: Who is the editor and where can I hit him?
2: Time is not now. Time is never now. Can you stomach it?
1: You shouldn't have to. I am not eating Zach's arm for a snack when we go to break. I'm going to the vending machine. Why? Where there's candy or chocolate or chips or not flesh.
2: There's got to be other news, right?
1: Somebody wrote this and got paid for it.
2: Like, I know it was one of those, like, hey, go do a future story. Like, just find something. When they come back with that idea, as a boss, you should probably say, hey, that's not what I was talking about. Let's not do that one. That's the bad one. That's the one we talked about.
1: It's not like you have no internet anymore where like you could put any article out there and you have to have something in your paper that day. No, this is something in the year 2022 where someone says cannibalism has a time and place and they got paid for it.
2: You know what's bad though? I know I'm going to read it now. No. I'm going to read it. Do not give them that glory. But I want to know why they decided to do this. (laughs) I
1: don't want to know because I need to call the FBI.
2: How about this? I'll read it and I'll let you know.
1: No, I don't want to know. We'll do that. I don't need what's wrong with with the human mind. My girlfriend watches enough serial killer documentaries. I don't need more of this.
2: I like though that like the the title is like a taste for cannibalism, like check like question mark. Like it's like a little like wink, like, ooh, maybe, like, should we do that? And it's like, no! Nope, nope. Still no. Could have told you guys no. Here, I'll tell it to you
1: in Spanish. No! No! Somebody got paid for this! Somebody got paid to write this! And I hate them! With a burning passion, but not burning enough for me to eat you! Ah!
2: They're getting slammed with quote tweets, by the way, like they are, they are not, it's not, it's not doing
1: well. Are you, what? No way. It's not doing well. Are we surprised?
2: It's not. It's like, they're almost at 2000 quote tweets and less than 700 likes.
1: I thought I had a stupid idea today when I said, I don't care too much about the bills season until the playoffs. And there was some nuance to take coming back and I understood it and that's fine, I did not say today I have an unpopular opinion go eat some person's flesh.
2: I just I think they needed more of like
1: I feel like, so much better about like my terrible session. takes that I did not get paid to say that.
2: It's just like another hour of just like somebody yeah, got somebody, somebody got something. paid to write that. The comments are also not kind. This is not going well. Really.
1: Really. Well, it, it, really? Oh, I've seen worse. Really. <laughs> I think I would rather hug a cactus before I read this article. I think I would rather shake Ralph Kruger's hand than
2: read this article. What I really enjoy is they kind of just like threw it in like a news dump for Saturday morning where it's like just a ton of stories and like everyone's like, wait, you can't just, you can't just throw that in there. No, you can't just do that. You said the quiet part out loud. Is it even a quiet part? Like, I feel like, this, like everyone knows be. that's wrong. Like, you shouldn't do
0: that.
1: It should be. <laughs> Why was <laughs> this a thing? And yes, we're starting hour three of Sports Talk Saturday about some, you know what? I don't care. Some idiot that wrote about cannibalism being a good idea.
2: I just, I want to be the fly in that room where they gave the pitch for the story. It hadn't been an electric pitch. I am just imagining just a dude that like or I, lady that like just dove into this story and was like, "Guys, I feel no, like you have to hear me out on this I feel one. like
1: I am immediately absolved of all stupid things I've said in front of this microphone. I want to know the sales pitch, I am that's, abso- I, I, I that's am all abso- I want to know now. I'm absolved of everything I've ever said. I've been a part of sales pitches in college for stories I, like this. I, I once been said, electric. I once said before the Chargers game where Nate Peterman threw five interceptions that the Bills were going to be okay and I was willing to see what else they had under center. That was the dumbest thing I've ever been paid to say, and that is miles, eons away from whatever
2: the heck this is. I think we're downplaying this. I think this was like slightly genius. No, they were like, we're gonna get such a reaction. I'm telling you guys, it's gonna be a fire story. That's why I'm telling you, don't click the
1: article. Don't do it. I've already, I've already got it queued
2: up. I'm you gonna read it in the break.
1: Son of a ah. Well, that's gonna be right now. So that we have one more segment, and then we can get Greg Thompson on before I have an actual meltdown. I'm so excited, but my meltdown won't be cannibalism.
2: (laughs) What the hell? I've completely turned myself around on this. Like initially, I was like, "You shouldn't have wrote this." Now I'm like, "I want to know how you got to this conclusion." I hate you. I need to know how you got there. (laughs) (laughs) Am I easily like persuaded by like news headlines? Like they got me with like the recent televisions books, and I'm like, "Where? Who? Who's making these TV shows?" I watch some like not great TV. Like as a television connoisseur myself, I watch some like not like pleasing television to watch.
1: I don't know what. I gotta know. Thanos was right. Okay. Just great coffee mug. Just. We're done here. We're done here. (laughs) This is, this is where Thanos was right. Snap it. Let's go. I don't. I don't want to be here anymore.
2: Whoever pitched it is just an elite I storyteller. Hate them. I hate They them. have to be. I hate this
1: person. I don't even want to know their name. I hate them. I want the author to do a Q and I, I want to. The first question I would ask him is, "What in the actual stuff is wrong with you?" And that's where he just like you. You do a deep dive into like the rabbit hole.
2: Just and, then like, what, what starts, happened, and then when he starts, and then when he starts
1: answering, I rush him.
2: I to be a little dramatic. No,
1: I am gonna get violent about this with this person. If I if I meet this man, it's on site. What's gonna be great is the headlines of that
2: and the immediate story is gonna be like, I do not condone this, please. <laughs> it's gonna be an open of like, I don't condone I, this act, but.
1: If, if I ever meet the author of this article, it's on site. You're catching hands. Don't bite them though. Please. <laughs> we'll get back on track here on the next segment. Greg Thompson at 130. This is WGR. I'm still pissed. So happy. I'm still pissed.
2: Well, I read I'm, the article.
1: I'm still pissed.
2: <laughs> and it's just—it's a very, very colorful headline. It's much more about how are people being more desensitized to some of the more gruesome things you see in in media, such as TV shows, movies, and books. Which is fair. I, I can understand that kind of premise of
1: a. Of then an whoever wrote that tweet needs, deserves a raise. You're correct. Needs to be put through a table with malicious intent not bills mafia style no with malicious intent put like power bomb that person hate them hate them it's a great headline like how dare no got me to read I... it the part is, is that you're right and that's why i hate it they deserve a huge raise no they're, they're clearly I'm, they're not being paid enough. i i disagree I I don't think that that person needs a raise. That person needs a drop kick. Um, I, at minimum, I'm, I, I've been getting violent about this. Like I've, Oh, you were not well during the break. No, I was not. And even worse yet, me thinking these violent thoughts about a person writing something is still the second most violent thing because the person wrote about cannibalism. Welcome back to sports talk Saturday. Derek Kramer, Zach Jones, uh, (laughs) But uh, we're going to get back to football. Bill's training camp starts tomorrow. Nate and Joe are out at St. John Fisher tomorrow from 11 to 1. And, of course, all coverage of Bill's training camp on WGR. It's brought to you by Fiegel Car & Joyce, your border attorneys. By New York's only outlet liquor when you need to stock up. It's a place to buy a case. What's your outlet? And by Northtown Kia, the number one certified pre-owned Kia dealer in the eastern region. Shop, NorthtownKia.com. Greg Thompson of Cover One joins us on the other side at 1.30. We got a little bit of time here. So, Zach, let's get back on track because it happens once a show whenever I'm here that we throw things all entirely off the rails. Well, I mean, you should have just stayed off Twitter. That's that's I mean, that's really where the mistake started to happen. That is not my fault. There was interesting stuff going on at Comic-Con that I wanted to look at. So, not my fault. And I also use it to hype up our guests that are on the show, Zach. Not my fault. You know whose fault it is? That person. Yeah, I'm getting off track again. No, camp battles. Bills, 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 bills. All right, Zach, we talked about the wide receivers. And now I want to look at the defensive side of the ball a little bit. Because of the fact that Davis White had that knee injury as he, late as he did in the season last year. There's going to be a lot of eyes on Kyrie Elam, but the following question is going to be, if Trey White's not ready week one for full workload, what's cornerback two looking like? That's
2: kind of the interesting question, especially because they lost Levi Wallace this offseason. He goes to Pittsburgh, test free agency. Good for him. Got his money. He was an undrafted free agent out of Alabama. More than happy for him.
1: I think it likely winds up being Dane Jackson. And Dane Jackson has shown well at points. It's going to be about how well does he handle cornerback, two. And he did handle it pretty well when put through the roll last year. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm not really worried so much on Dane Jackson. It's if the injuries do pile up early on and Trey White is getting back to that full workload, it's going to be an interesting conundrum for this team to have. But that said, the expectations for Kyrie Elam, they need to be... I don't know if they need to be tempered, but it is going to be a rookie cornerback. We do need to remember that. That is not always the smoothest transition.
2: Yeah, I I mentioned that actually on the nightcap. I want to say Wednesday, where it was one of the things where, as much as I'm looking forward to seeing how Elam plays in camp, it also is one of those, you know, be patient with him. He is being thrust into a role on a very good defense. He is filling a role that the defense does not want to miss a beat, especially against the Los Angeles Rams opening up that Thursday. I mean, they've got a very, very good group of wide receivers, namely Allen Robinson and Cooper Cup, to say the least. He's going to have a tough time, I think, regardless if Tredavis White's healthy or not. He is going to be put up against a, be a very, very, very good receiver. Very early. I think what is what is has much stressed me out and has definitely made me pay attention to Elon Moore is... Trey White seems to be the only guy that had an ACL injury that we're not hearing like consistent updates from, either from himself, the team, or reports, whatever it, it be. I think
1: that tends to be more positive.
2: I do, too, but it's just it's definitely weird. I mean, J.K. Dobbins recently came out and basically called Ian Rappaport, not a liar, but just kind of calling out his report saying that he may not be ready for Week 1. He outright refuted that and said he'll be ready Week 1. Jameson Williams, the uh, the rookie wide receiver for Detroit. We've gotten pretty consistent updates about him. He got hurt in January. But he feels like he'll probably be ready to go at the latest weeks one and two, which I'm leery on that. But if you know, the Lions are also sort of saying the same thing that he's ahead of schedule, he looks fine, he looks good, he's he's getting back you know into shape. We're you know with Trey with Trey White, we're not getting those consistent updates. If anything, it's been very radio silent. That also has to do with the Bills. I think it absolutely has to do with the Bills. We hear nothing from them consistently and constantly. It's, from it's, this yeah. from this
1: regime, you hear nothing. And that is perfectly fine by me. The way that they run the ship, it's been great uh, because of the fact that not only do you not hear things leak out of there, you also see players having themselves a grand old time, too. It's not like this is Bill Belichick's uh, nobody-have-fun land. It's The guys are dancing sometimes on the sidelines, all the time, actually. Gabriel Davis dancing is one of my favorite things to see. Yep. So they do make sure that there's still a personality there. Uh, But... They also make sure that everything else that's supposed to be behind closed doors stays there.
2: I will say the one thing that maybe stressed out just a little bit in terms of Trey White's health was the reports that a lot of Bills players were trying to get Joe Hayden mm-hmm. to sign here. I think that was more just them get get, get more depth on the secondary. Cause get, a, fair, get another guy that they do they should
1: should get himself yeah, a
2: ring. They do need it. I mean, yeah. like after Dane Jackson and Kyrie Elam, it kind of gets towards like the Cam Lewis and then uh, the rookie they drafted in the sixth or seventh round, Christian Benford out of Villanova. Mm-hmm. And that's where it gets a little dicey. I mean, yeah. you know, there, there's not a ton of depth in that cornerback room, and I can understand why the team does want to get you know more depth there.
1: We'll do more of this, and have some help along the way, because from cover one, Greg Thompson joins us on the other side. We're back in a bit. Derek Kramer, Zach Jones, Sports Talk Saturday rolls on for thirty more minutes right here on WGR. You know, sometimes it's fun to divulge like what happens behind the scenes here. And like for the past minute and a half, Zach and I have just been dancing. It's, it's a good dance song. It's, it's a good dance it's a very good song. Dance but song. also, like, just sometimes we dance to jingles from the ads and everything like that. We don't care. No, but every time I every... dance to jingles. <laughs> well, I mean, you've only been here for a year, so uh, give it some time. <laughs> Derek Kramer, Zach Jones, time to wrap up Sports Talk Saturday with some help. And, you know, I only go to the best. I go to the most well-rounded, well-versed kinds of people. And if you have not seen Greg Thompson of Cover One and his journey on learning hockey, it is a delight to see. And, of course, Greg, some big hockey things I can turn to your knowledge for uh, from from yesterday. Am I right? <laughs>
0: I, I will say I, I'm at least proud of myself. I was aware of the going <laughs> on of the hockey moves that took place yesterday, so I think that's a a pretty strong uh, step forward, at least.
1: It, your growth and development in the in this side of things has been has been beautiful to watch. So uh, first off, I I love watching that sort of stuff with you, uh, the Twitter interactions right with the hashtag. Greg doesn't know hockey. <laughs>
0: I was right there at uh, Sabres development camp, basically. It was, you know, me, me, Devin Levi. I was right there, top-notch top uh, development movement. <laughs> exactly. Was
1: exactly. So, obviously, though, I don't bring you on for your hockey takes as much as I do your Bills content because you are one of my favorites to go to your... Pretty much one of my pillars and one of the first people I want to talk to when it comes to anything Bills, anything football, because of the fact that you're just a delight, Greg. So thank you for taking the time. Thank you for joining us here. And let's get to it. Greg Thompson, cover one, West Her Hotline, Bills Training Camp, starting up tomorrow. Greg, with the camp going on, my biggest question internally today, my biggest struggle has been, does any of this matter until January, and there have been different answers on this, and I would like to see your take on this question of how how high and how low should we even really be getting during the regular season?
0: All right, so I'm excited. First question, I'm going to talk out of both sides of my mouth. This is going to be great. <laughs> um, so obviously in the grand scheme of things, it doesn't matter a ton. We know what the expectations are. We know what kind of things are you know, in front of this team, what they need to accomplish and, you know, path of how they get there. Isn't the most important, you know, obviously through camp. I say every single year, every single practice, all I care about is did anyone get hurt? All right. No, no one got hurt. Good. Keep going. Um, Now, the other thing I want to balance that with is um, one with expectations like this, with the excitement of this season, with everything that's on the line, I encourage every Bills fan to soak up every possible second of this season. Don't overlook anything. Don't poo-poo or belittle any little moment or game. Enjoy every single second that you can. And we saw last year, you had games with, you know, they almost fumbled that Falcons game. They lost to the Jaguars. They had some ugly games. Um, that's the reason that I don't think you could look down the line, is that if they want to accomplish what they need this year, things like home field advantage in the playoffs, things like a first-round buy matter, and you can't give away those easy games. So every single game matters. They have an incredibly stacked AFC you know, competition that they're going up against. They have to stack wins, and that's going to start from the very first game.
1: Now, one of the biggest points that came back to me was um, the importance of the one seed, and While the bye week is, of course, the biggest advantage you can have, um, I'm not as worried about this Bills team on the road. They seem to be the most balanced when it comes to home wins, road wins. They are a very consistent group in that sense. But you do mention the rest of the conference and how much stronger it is overall. Is it still, though, the Chiefs that are the biggest uh, threat?
0: So, obviously, when you have Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid... I think you need to give them the benefit of the doubt. I think they are still the team to beat until really proven otherwise. Everyone saw how odd and fluky that second half against the Bengals were. I I think the Bengals are an up and coming, exciting team, but I I don't believe in the idea that, well, they went to the Super Bowl last year. So they're the number one team to beat. I don't think that's the case. Um, I think they're one of the, the good teams, but I would still put the chiefs up there. Um, Every year it seems everyone wants to crown the Chargers as the next up and coming team. And every year they find a new and interesting way to crumble and fall apart. So uh, I'm curious what they're going to do for an encore this season to, to, be able to waste what looks like a phenomenal <laughs> roster on paper. Um, and when you talk about the home field advantage, I think the interesting part is flipping it around the other way. I don't think it matters as much for the bills because of how good of a road team they are, but we need to remember that's an exception. The Bills are the exception of being a great road team. Most other teams aren't. So them coming into Buffalo is a bigger disadvantage for them versus how critical it is that, oh, the Bills couldn't go on the road and do well. No, of course they could. But other teams struggle more with it and would struggle coming to Buffalo, and it's a bigger net advantage.
1: So, Greg, we were talking a lot about um, some of the more intriguing camp battles of Uh, To me, running back, we didn't cover enough of uh, heading into your segment, but wide receiver battles, how the corner situation looks, and everything of the sort. What is the most intriguing battle for you as Bill's training camp begins tomorrow?
0: It's really interesting how, honestly, how set this roster is. I I think that there's an awful lot already decided or already pretty firmly in place. Um, There's a domino effect one that I'm interested in, and it's, who is going to be the primary returner? and does that impact who the primary slot receiver is? Um, historically, we've seen, you know being and now to be Smiley, that they've like to have a dedicated returner who can be kind of a gadget player or a bit player, but they don't necessarily like to have their primary returner also be a primary offensive starter. So I'm curious, is that going to be the case? Does that impact who gets reps and who gets snaps on offense? Um, I do think it's going to start with Isaiah McKenzie. I think he has the, at least the, the pole position heading in, but we saw the ball security issues last year. We saw some of the decision-making issues. We have to show that he's sure that up. When he has the ball in his hands, he's electric, and it's exciting. We need to make sure he can consistently do that. Does he get pushed by Khalil Shakur? I think it's Marcus Stevens's only chance to make the roster. And if it is McKenzie, does that then lead into Jamison Crowder being the primary slot receiver? Um, I think there's a lot more nuance and maturity to his game, but I don't think he's the same athlete that McKenzie is. I think McKenzie could do more with the ball in his hands, but we haven't seen McKenzie be able to get open versus zone coverage, which is 70% plus of what they see in the NFL. So I'm curious to see those combinations and then a couple others floating around, you know, is it a battle between Dane Jackson and, and Elam per corner, or are they going to be cautious with Trey white and, you know, ease into it and both of them start anyways. Um, the t- you know, the, will Tommy Sweeney make the roster? Or is that going to be Reggie Gilliam being the available third tight end? Uh, who is the ninth or tenth offensive lineman? It's crazy, the roster that Brian, uh, Brandon Bean has built, that those are the kind of things we're watching for in campus. Who are the 51st, 52nd, 53rd guy? But that's the embarrassment of riches that we have.
1: And it is – it's genuinely – I've been calling it awesomely weird that – you hear this team as national pundits as the favorite and the team that a lot of them like to talk about as not just the legitimate threat, but the legitimate threat for the Super Bowl. It's, it, I, I still don't know how to handle that, Greg. It's, it's always been a weird thing for me. However, with the expectations that this team has and really the, more, the bigger threats are around your conference. How threatened are you really with the rest of the AFC East?
0: So I, I think we have to at least take the Patriots seriously because they have Bill Belichick. Bill Belichick is the greatest football mind who's ever lived, in my opinion. Um, I don't think they really got better from last year in in, in any real tangible way. They didn't add any amazing new talent, but they had a good team who was competitive last year. I think they have to be taken seriously, but I, I think that they're, you know, probably on the outside looking in for a playoff standpoint. And then you have the opposite almost in Miami where they did add talent, you know, the adding, you know, the, the kind of player that Tyreek Hill is and the gravity he has on the field is, you know, an incredibly serious addition and then, you know, improvements along the offensive line and I think they signed every fast riddle running back that exists in the NFL. They have all of them now. Um so being able to be in that position, I'm not particularly nervous about Tua, but I think that we're lying to ourselves if we don't think they at least insulated themselves to put him into the best possible position to find out is he gonna be anything and with that Shanahan run game and then explosive receivers like, you know, Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill, all you need to do is catch a three yard pass and then take it to the house. And I do think Tua can throw a three yard pass. So I'm not ultimately worried about them from a long-term competitive standpoint, but do I think that they've added enough talent that we're probably not going to have the same, I think what last year was combined 61 to 11, that we smoked Miami. I don't think it's going to be the same runaway, but ultimately, I will believe they can beat Josh Allen when I see it, and, and we just haven't seen that. And then the, the Jets are the Jets. You know, I they've added talent. I do think Joe Douglas is a good GM. I find myself every year watching their drafts, going, "Oh man, I like that guy. Oh man, I like that guy." And then ultimately, it, it just doesn't come together. I think maybe at some point that'll reach a tipping point, and the talent would just be enough that it matters, but. I don't think that's going to be in 2023. I think they're, you know, the jets are two years away from being two years away.
1: Greg Thompson to cover one on the Western hotline is bills training camp gets started tomorrow. And we've got coverage by the way, Nate and Joe are going to be down there from 11 to one tomorrow. So give them a nice little sports talk Sunday there. Uh, so Greg, the rest of this obviously being about how this team stacks up with the rest of a stack conference that went into a real arms race this year. And, of course, the biggest question offensively still that is going to be unanswered until the games start is Ken Dorsey's play calling style.
0: Yeah, it's it's going to be interesting to see the way that they approach that, the way that I think all of us assume it's not going to be a great deal of changes. We all assume it's going to be, most of the same playbook that Earhart Perkins, Patriots, Brian Dable book that they've been going from, we know it's going to be the same language. But where are the wrinkles going to come from? Um, it certainly seems like we're going to see a little bit more 12 personnel with two tight ends on the field. I think the signing of O.J. Howard kind of tipped their hand there. I think that we're going to see a bit more in the screen game, um, obviously going after J.D. McKissick and that mess. But then, you know, as soon as we that was settled out, they go after Duke Johnson and they draft James Cook. Um, having that pass-catching uh, running back seems to be uh, an area of focus. So I think those are maybe the two areas I think we're going to see more wrinkles. You heard Josh talk about his focus on yards after the catch and putting guys into a position to be able to be um, you know, ready for that yards-after-catch potential. I think a lot of that's going to come from the running backs. And then I think an interesting part, everyone assumes that, oh, it's Isaiah McKenzie versus – Jamison Crowder to replace Cole Beasley. I wonder if they're going to run a bit more 12 personnel, which keeps OJ Howard in the block and Dawson Knox out into the routes more and more and more. I wonder if Dawson Knox becomes more of that third down uh, target. I wonder if he steps in and maybe even pushes Gabriel Davis for the second option in this offense. Um, I think we could be in for a lot more tight end usage, a lot more running back screen usage, but ultimately, most of the same offense we've seen to this point.
1: Greg, uh, humor me a little bit of questions uh, as well with this offensive line. Um, You get Roger Saffold added in here, David Questenberry added in as free agents, but most of it's going to be the same. You got Morris, you got Dawkins, Ryan Bates takes over at the guard where they improved greatly throughout the end of the season, and then Spencer Brown at the right tackle. But are we seeing anything potentially different on the offensive line, uh, especially with that left guard position?
0: So it's interesting. Josh Allen has never had a good offensive line. Um, This is now going to be the best offensive line he's ever had, and it's probably above average. Like, I think Deion Dawkins is a legit, you know, somewhere in the 8th to 12th best left tackle. I think Mitch Morris is one of the, I don't know, 5th to 7th best centers in the league, and everybody else is pretty good. But that's still the best offensive line that Josh Allen's ever had. So I think that that's at least a step in the right direction. Um, ultimately we need to see, can Ryan Bates play as well as he did over that six game stretch that got him the contract offer from Chicago and matched it to stay in Buffalo. Can he do that for a whole year? Um, the biggest question for me is, is Spencer Brown, the player we saw in those first four games where he was healthy, athletic, moving like the freak athlete that he is, then he goes, he gets hurt. He gets COVID when he comes back, he wasn't the same player. I'm going to tell myself it was because he got hurt and didn't recover from COVID and that that's why he played poorly down the stretch and that his, you know, elite athleticism is going to prove out as the the right case, but we don't know that. So um, I like the fact that they went and signed David Questenberry as kind of a security blanket. He's a road grading, mauling uh, run blocker. He's an okay pass blocker. He's not as good, of a pass blocker as you would want to see, but he's really nice as a swing tackle and he started every single game for the Tennessee Titans, the number one seed last year. So having him as an insurance policy, and I think fans are going to get used to this during the year. He's going to be the guy that's going to come in, in those heavy sets, six offensive lineman uh, scenarios. You put him next to Spencer Brown and then put OJ Howard or Dawson knocking next to him and run power that direction. That's going to be a nice bonus in short yardage situations. Um, But ultimately we just need to hope that Ryan Bates can be the guy that we saw for that stretch, that the early Spencer Brown is what we hope. And then I think the left side is going to be really strong. You know, the the pro bowl was Deion Dawkins and Roger Saffold playing next to each other, Mitch Morris there. Now we get it every game. Um, I think that's going to be a really nice setup on the left side. And then, the youth on the right side, we just need to gel together. Uh, but the depth is there. They had, you know, Greg Van Roten, Greg Manns. Uh, we have Ike Bakker coming back from injury. Tommy, uh, you know, um, still developing there in, in the background. So, you know, Tommy Doyle has the athleticism to maybe beat uh, David Questenberry down the line. But now we don't have to worry about that. We have him right off the bat. So I just ran through all of that without even mentioning Cody Ford. If uh, Aaron Cromer can, you know, scrape any value from Cody Ford, that's another guy who had, you know, high draft grades when he first came out. So going 11 deep in the offensive line in the NFL, I think it was uh, Ross Tucker who put out a tweet saying that the Bills backup five linemen is better than some, uh, you know, poor teams starting offensive line. Um, So I don't think they have a ton of high end talent. They don't have the, you know, 2016 Cowboys. They don't have this phenomenal all pros across the board but they have good players at every spot and they actually have good professionals who have all started games as backups. That's about all you can ask for in today's current, uh, you know, salary cap environment.
1: Greg, and this is, this is the brilliance as to why I always ask you to come on. Uh, So thank you for all of that and the massive breakdown there with the offensive line. But you mentioned Cody Ford and it reminds me now of another Bill's draft, a uh, Bills higher draft pick that might be on that roster bubble. Uh, because Cody Ford, he's got a lot of fighting to do to make sure that he keeps a spot on this team. But so does Zach Moss. You, men- you made mention about Duke Johnson being signed. James Cook is here as well. Devin Singletary. So it seems like it, Moss has a lot of competition here. And it seems like he's kind of the popular name to dig on because of his season last year. What are the odds and how does the running back situation look for this team as they go forward?
0: So it's interesting. We go back twelve months from right now. You had some guys who were beat reporters who were calling Zach Moss the lead back and that he was gonna take the job from Devin Singletary and to now so quickly go to not only an afterthought, but I I don't I don't even think people are concerned. Like I don't even think he's you know, it took us this far into the conversation to even remember to bring him up. Um it, He's put himself into a position where he has to have a good camp to keep the roster spot and I think his best case scenario is that RB3, you know, TJ Yeldon, Matt Breida, game day inactive guy at this point. Um, I think that he's got to battle Duke Johnson to even take that spot. I think it's written in pen that at least to start of the season, Devin Singletary and James Cook are going to be the game-day active running backs. And, of course, Taiwan Jones is technically a running back. But, you know, the Bills have shown their hand over and over and over again. They go game-day active with two running backs and have the third guy inactive. Um, Zach Moss doesn't have a great deal of special teams ability. He's not a guy who's going to be out there covering kicks. Um, I still like the talent. I still – I would pick him to make the roster over Duke Johnson, but Duke Johnson's a savvy veteran who's going to make him work for it to be able to do that. So um, all of that said – that where the bar is what the expectations are funny enough if something happens to Devin Singletary I think Zach Moss can step in and be okay I think he'd be all right um I think that there's some short area wiggle that Singletary has that that Moss doesn't but Moss also has a little more power and a little more straight line speed than what Singletary has so um I don't think it's crazy to see Moss and Cook as a viable NFL tandem that could work. And maybe that's in play for next year we'll see, you know, this is the last year Devin Singletary's rookie contract. So that's going to have to get sorted out next offseason. Um, but right now I think Moss has to basically work hard, have a good camp, put himself into position to be that third running back. And then, you know, in the NFL nowadays, injuries are kind of inevitable. It's a league of attrition. So when his n- number gets called, he's got to come in and look good. Um, and then give himself a shot to maybe re-earn that job next year. But right now, I think that the the deck's pretty stacked against him.
1: Greg, thank you as always uh, for taking your time. And uh, how, how'd your daughter do with the softball game?
0: Uh, awesome. Awesome is our all-star game today. She went four for four, hit a home run. Everything went really well. She was super excited, so uh, it was a great way to cap the season here. And uh, now we move on. I get no breaks. We move into travel soccer next week. So oh boy. Uh, just on to more fun neighborhood uh, sports uh, every day of the week.
1: Greg, thanks as always for taking the time. And you know I got to say it, make sure the people know where to hear you.
0: Absolutely. So I appreciate it. You guys can find me online at Greg Thompson. You can find all of our stuff at CoverOne.net. We're really excited about this season. Have a lot of really fun stuff going on. And, hey, uh, camp starting tomorrow. We're actually doing a Cover One meetup tonight at Uncle Jumbo's Tasting Room on Elmwood. So anybody that wants to come out, have a drink before camp, ask some questions. The entire Cover One crew is going to be out there at uh, Uncle Jumbo's Tasting Room on Elmwood tonight starting at 8 o'clock. So come on out, have a drink, come say hi, and we're going to talk ball all night.
1: Look at that. A nice little free promo for you there, buddy. Uh, thanks for coming on. Love you, dude.
0: Thanks, man. Talk to you guys
1: soon. All right. That's Greg Thompson. Cover one on the Western hotline, wrapping things up with some bills talk here and Greg gives his plug. We give our plug and our plug is that Joe and Nate are at training camp tomorrow at St. John Fisher. You can hear them here from 11 to one tomorrow and all of our coverage of bills training camp on WGR. It's brought to you by Fugal car and Joyce, your border attorneys by New York's only outlet liquor when it, You need to stock up. It's your place to buy a case. What's your outlet? And by Northtown Kia, the number one certified pre-owned Kia dealer in the eastern region. Shop, NorthtownKia.com. So, all that said, and, and with my somewhat arrogant question today, we made it. Bill's season is back. Ultimately, that is what tomorrow signifies, is that Bill's season is back. We get to talk about training camp practices and overanalyze where players are playing in the rotation. And we get to see them in the preseason games. And you're going to bet that you're going to hear us all over that. And when I say us, I do mean Zach and I personally as well. Sorry about that for your eardrums. But we're here. We made it. Bills season's back. And, of course, we here at WGR are more than excited for what is the most anticipated season of Bills football In a long time. Like yes, last year had their expectations. But last year they weren't nationally favored by pundits. They were not the betting favorite entering the season. This is something else that we have not seen in a long time. And someone of my generation or Zach's generation has not seen ever. So, here we are. Let's get into it. It's going to be great. It's going to be a fun time. And we are all excited for what is to come. But it all starts with the players getting the cleats on and stepping out on the field at St. John Fisher College tomorrow. It's time. Build season's back, baby. And I cannot wait for what happens. And of course, like while my take is that I might be waiting a long time, I still can't wait for what happens. It's going to be exciting. So let's see what they've got. Let's see what kind of memorable moments they can bring us throughout the season. And it all starts with a little bit of training camp fighting for position battles out there in Rochester. For anyone that's going, by all means, bring it. You know what to do. You can call the guys all week, every week, every day. Zach with the nightcap. I'm gonna see. I'm, I'm excited to see what you've got for this, buddy. I'm excited. I, I hope there are some genuine
2: camp heroes or, or preseason heroes. I, I know I, I, I made a bit wait. of a joke of like when's the last time somebody <laughs> I can't turned wait out but. for you.
1: I can't wait for you guys out there to call in and and ask why isn't this person getting more playing time uh throughout the preseason or during the season when the preseason heroes make it or uh, or an unexpected rising star makes it. So I can't wait for that. I, I poked fun at it, but you know what? It's all part
2: of the discourse. Do we want to make our bets on who we think is going to be that guy? It's probably going to be an offensive player. I'm not going to take that. I will. It's going to be Jake Kummerow. Really? I think it's going to be touchdown Jesus, Jake Kummerow. I think he's going to be the guy. I think Tavon Austin's going to be maybe more solidified in his role. He was a first-round pick. It's typically kind of the outside guys. I'm going to
1: go with Jake Kummerow. I think it's going to be the camp preseason hero. I think I'm going to go with Austin because of the fact that his career has been up and down around the league a lot that he does still have the talent and the, uh, and the multi-purpose ability that the bills do love. And he can line up on the outside despite his size, but that's all the time we got today. Nate's back tomorrow. He's got Joe there at St. John Fisher college for Zach Jones, for Frank, R. Curry, who dropped in for the first hour. Thank you to Joe Yurden, who was here on with us at noon. Thanks to Greg Thompson, who was just on with us right away in this last segment And thank you for anyone that called, everyone that listened, anyone that tweeted. Derek Kramer, Zach Jones, we're signing off. They'll be back tomorrow right here on WGR.